Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. It's episode four, and we are celebrating graduation 2020 and all that that entailed. We are with Justine Sedke virtually. She's interviewing me, and I'm interviewing her. And also behind the scenes is Alan J. Tomasetti. I'm so excited to feature Justine today to talk about her experience at the University of Michigan. I hope that you'll visit the YouTube channel of the School of Music, Theater, and Dance, as well as the Facebook group, University of Michigan Flute Studio, for more information on the graduates of 2020. They are astonishing and super successful. I'm sure all of you educators can understand the feeling of watching a student meet their goals. It's like watching a flower blossom. And with the seven graduates this year, I'm literally looking at a garden. Uh, The soil is so rich. So I'm so proud. And I'm really glad that you're here in Porter Flute Pod. So let's go in and meet Justine. Welcome to the podcast, Justine. Thank you, Professor Porter. I'm so happy to be here. Front and center. We're Zooming. Can you talk about how this was your whole idea? This whole podcast, why we're in Porter yeah. right now? I thought it would be a great thing for you to put yourself out there as a just like you talking the way that I see you in the studio and one-on-one. I just was really excited about the idea of people also being able to get that from you. And here we are today, already like four episodes in. Well, I know. And it was also Alan J. Tomasetti's fault because you know how you throw away emails and you archive them in different ways over the years and you say, oh my goodness, I'm still hanging on to that. I came across an email from 2006 and it was AJ to a web designer asking the web designer, could he please install something that allowed me to have a podcast? So I asked you because you are just so open to everything but I also like your line of respect. You know, you have, uh, uh, you have your, uh, what I call, I, you're my New Yorker. I always need a New Yorker in my life. <laughs> Incredibly <laughs> friendly people who, uh, I lived there for 10 years. I feel like it, it was part of my personality at one point. It's still in there. So, um, I'm just so happy that you chose to take that leap with me. So I'm not in this by myself. Yeah. We're doing all this. Um, I just want to say also happy birthday. Thank you. Days ago. And today is our big house, our virtual big house graduation day. So happy yep. today. Thank you. I'm, you know, I'm sad that I didn't get a chance to be there in person and celebrate all of the, I just really love pomp and circumstance in any kind of situation, a ceremony, a ritual, something where I get to wear a weird little outfit and everyone's just like inspirational. I just, there's something about graduations and I'm such a, like, I'm sometimes in a minority about this because some people hate them because they go on so long, but like, I am a 
huge fan. I get chills just talking about it. So I feel a little cheated, but you know, it, it is what it is. So shall we talk about how it all began? I'd love to. That's my favorite. Like how I met you. Yeah. I think I'm about to hear this for the first time. <laughs> it's a really, I told, I've told this story. I mean, I was, to, <laughs> you were there, but you were, you were, you had a different brain than I had. You were recruiting brain. I was, what's my future going to look like brain. Um, okay. So I'm from New York. You mentioned that I applied to mostly schools in New York. I was very afraid of leaving New York. I had little interest in it. And my former teacher, Judith Mendenhall, said to me, I really think that you should go take a lesson with Amy Porter at Michigan. And I was like, that's really far away. And she was like, just go, just do it. You know, it's totally worth it. She's great. I really think you should go and do that audition. And so I sent in my tape, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I passed my pre-screening and I called my dad and I was like, I think I'm just going to send a tape to Michigan. It's so far. And he, he on the phone, he was like, what do you mean? He was like, you've got to go in person. Isn't she kind of a big deal? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, she is. And I just was, you know, bogged down by all these auditions and school and I just my first instinct was like it's so far and it's not that but it's an hour plane ride and so my dad was like I'm just gonna buy your flight I think you should just go and I was like you're right I do get it so I you know flew out to Michigan I stayed with a friend in one of the co-ops in Ann Arbor snowed about 19 inches I was very cold and in, I was not properly dressed and I spent all day at the school of music in a practice room in sweatpants and a t-shirt and a sweatshirt practiced all day and then 10 minutes before my audition I slipped on a dress and stood outside and the first the first thing you said to me was what do you want to do with this degree you asked me you didn't say okay great to meet you Play, my, play the Mozart. You asked about uh, what my goals were first, first off the bat. And I was like, well, this was my first audition for my master's degree. I didn't really have an answer prepared. But I knew off the top of my head, I was like, I really want to get into contemporary music. And I really want that to be the primary focus of my degree. And you looked at my repertoire list and you said, well, where's all the new music on here then? And I was like, I need a place to play it. And you said, just play it and just bring it to studio. What are you talking about? You need a place to play. Just bring it out. And I was like, yeah, that is really simple. Um, and the rest of the audition and then the lesson the next day, you just kept on telling me that I could do whatever I needed to do and whatever I wanted to do. And you were there to make me a great flute player for what I needed. And I was just like, I left like so pumped. I was like, that is exactly how a lesson should go. That is exactly how picking a school should go. I'm so glad that I went here and had this opportunity to connect with this person who really got it. I felt like you really got it. And, you know, I bopped back on to New York. And I took these other auditions and I took a bunch of lessons. 
And I had one person say to me, who, how have you gotten away with playing like this for so long? That's all they said. That was their constructive criticism to me in a, as a prospective student. And the first thing I thought was like, well, Amy Porter was like really supportive and excited about my, my ideas for what I want to do. And all these lessons are just like bringing me down. And at the end of the day, I was, when I really thought about it, like staying in New York was not a priority when I had such an amazing, exciting experience during my 48 hours in Michigan. And it, at that point, it was a no-brainer. I was just like, she gets it. No one else does. She gets me. And I need someone who gets me. Now what is exciting? The now what is exciting. I like change. I really do. Sometimes it can be confusing and scary and cause burnout. And other times it can be the kick in the pants that you needed, you know? Totally. Uh, A little bit of both, I think. You you did your own project, Babe World. Talk about that I for a second. I'd love to. Part of my unexpected delight about coming to University of Michigan, besides just being able to work with you and the studio and the amazing large ensembles, um, was that I found myself just kind of thrown into this really supportive, amazing community of new music, improvisation, um, electronic music departments. Like there's, there's, it's a gem. It's like this hidden gem that I found out dates back to like the 60s. Like University of Michigan notoriously has been a place that supports the avant-garde. There was something called the Once Festival. And University of Michigan was like, come here to Ann Arbor and we'll foster your need for that. And so, you know, there was, Yoko Ono did performance art here and it's been a hit place forever. And so I was really excited to just kind of fall into this line of, uh, I'd meet someone, I'd say I play new music. They're like, oh, we should get together. The Creative Arts Orchestra the jazz department, everyone just welcomed me with open arms to be like, try this, try really thinking about what you, what your spirit is telling. Um, And that's something that you told me in our first lesson when I auditioned here was you tell me and I will make sure that you are able to get what you need based on what you tell me. And so I took a couple performance art tech classes. I learned how to kind of get comfortable with um, Ableton and Logic and just general recording and editing. And I and my friend Cameron, we were working all night on a homework assignment for that PAT class. And we had so much fun making these silly audio files that we just stayed up until sunrise and we decided um, this was last March and we decided over the summer that we were going to really commit to it and make it not a homework assignment, but like a full fleshed out project. And we called it babe world because we, during these like little mess arounds, we would just, we just kept on saying like, babe, 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 
just this word that I think is so endearing and cute and silly. And uh, I think you can call anyone babe. And it's just like, oh, thank you. (laughs) And so we just were like, why don't we just create this? We created this little utopia where everyone's a babe. And that energy is just spread out in the land. And it's this happy, fun, silly place where there's no... No one's coming at you and being like, you're not working hard enough and you need to get a job and you need to make this much money. It's just everything you want from like a good, fun performance. So we just worked really hard. We got a fellowship with the Deuterstadt Center, a micro fellowship to start building an infrared light system that would track my flute movement and project uh, uh, visuals based on where I was and that was really challenging and new for all of us because Cameron and I are both just musicians so we had to work on that and then we wrote the show as an entirely improvised performance start to finish um we wrote a whole story we basically had lore and fantasy and all of these things sort of woven in but the actual story was told prim- exclusively with improvised music and projective visuals um it was really challenging and it was incredibly rewarding we did have to outside hire someone to work with touch designer which is the program that all those visuals are created in it's very complicated to run so luckily we had a good network of musicians who also are involved in that area of art making and we were able to get someone to basically run the program while we played. Um, So I think we could definitely, and we've run the show plenty of times without visuals, but finding a way to get those visuals to be able to be worked by us is definitely a challenge that we haven't figured out how to bridge yet. But I mean, it's not the end. We're going to do plenty more installations, different things. This was intro to Babe World. This was welcome to Babe World. So creative. I just love it. My flute pickup that turns my flute into an electronic flute was my most exciting draw for this because I've been really ready to perform with that. It's a a Barkus Berry. It goes right into the head joint. And then I strapped the preamp on me. And the whole time when it comes to the sound, like I was running Ableton, uh, right in front of me I had the laptop with me and you know I mean I was doing pretty basic level processing but the whole point was that I was doing it and I was given a space to explore something that I hadn't used in performance by myself before uh, it's very scary to be in a place where people go oh you're not taking auditions then what are you going to do is definitely the question I've gotten plenty of times and the answer really is I kind of just have to make it up as I go along you know I'll start chamber group I'm gonna figure it out but the important thing is that I don't sacrifice my creative drive and also my playing ability because I can play the flute very well at this point (laughs) I just want to make sure some people think that having a side hustle or a day job is like uh selling out or not being committed to the art you make. And I think that that is so far from true. I think 
what you do to pay the rent doesn't always have to be, and not, not, it doesn't need to be the way that you express yourself. And I'm more concerned with putting myself out there as much as I can. Okay, so I have some things that I'd love to ask you about now that we've given enough background on my thoughts on Michigan and you and life and music. So I have some things that I just want to get you talking about. That's okay. Hit it. Okay. Um, What do you look for in a prospective student? I think everyone has a different answer for that, but I'm, you know, what goes through your head when you're sorting through all these people? The foundation of musicianship that that person has. Okay. So like, so if you walk in and you don't have a lot of musical training and you just think you have a nice sound, but you've never been to a theory class or played the piano or a song or done anything that musicians do from the womb of being a musician, um, that's a that's kind of something that I, I look at as something I can't give them. Like I can't offer you that foundation. It's just I need to be working with somebody who has that coming in the door. Um, loving, loving music isn't a reason to major in music. And I sound really harsh when I say that, but I think it's in people's best interest to know whether you're talented in that area or not. Now, for me, I looked at the blackboard in fifth grade and said, okay, that problem on the board is harder than my fingering the pencil right now behind my desk, which was the flute. I could not stop fingering the pencil, falling asleep on in my, you know, so, okay, you don't have to be like me, but I kind of, I need to ask you, do you read bass clef? Do you sing? Uh, Do you play piano? Did you have music in the house? Do you even listen to classical music? I've had people standing in front of me thinking that they could get a music degree, but they don't know the first name of Brahms. Oh, yeah, so let me just <laughs> foundation of musicianship that I would look for. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I appreciate that. What has been the most re- personally, what has been the most rewarding thing about teaching in the 20 years that you've been at University of Michigan? What has sort of fed your spirit here with students? The fact that the students teach me something every day and they come with new things like you and I, I, I'm scared for you. I'm scared for me, (laughs) but no one has crossed the line that, you know, much that I would ever say, no, I do say it, that might not be in your best interest, but only knew, you know, what creative child you want to give birth to. And I'm ready to help you, um, I remember the first time my student went into Duderstadt, a student went into Duderstadt, I grabbed my current doctoral assistant by the arm and just said, you're going to have to get me through this because I have no idea what she's doing, but this is going to be different and it's not the mainstream, but it's happening. And she did it and it's, you know, she opened my eyes. So the most rewarding thing for me is learning from my students. Um, The Baroque flute coming into the world in... (laughs) in such a way through 
two people coming into the studio at once who both played Baroque flute seriously and like had studied in Europe. Uh, another moment was when we had a, a an Indian flutist, a Carnatic flutist, come and teach the flute studio for a couple of semesters. And I took what I thought, I thought, oh, two people will sign up. Eight people signed up. I was the only wow. one who didn't get a sound in the circle of us. And I promptly got up and said, this is not my jam. I know when I, when I can't do something. So the Indian flute had a life here. And I must say that others have gone on to play ragas, make their own ragas. And wasn't it wonderful when the Dalai Lama came to Chrysler Arena and we had this group of Indian flutists sitting there with a tabla player. That was one of the highlights of my career. You see, I, I don't know, Justine, if you can hear the theme in it, but it's always not coming from me generally. It's from the student to me. I hold up a mirror and I say, here we go. Like, look at yourself. Here's what I think you would help you. But uh, God help both of us because I have no idea. Like, a Carnatic flute? Are you kidding? <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, so right now you and I are playing with performing arts technology, and I think I'll I'll, I'll leap into the, the VR world for fun. Um, I think so, so shifting and changing with the students who lead me has been my greatest joy. Greatest joy. Cool. Yeah. The fact that we took a chance on what you were doing, you know, and that the degree would be a foundation. Okay. Mm-hmm. With your master's from Michigan, you can go many ways. Yeah, a lot of ways. And I mean, you know, I, I don't want to discount all of the ways that you, you just fixed my playing. Like you did support all of these projects that I had and that I, you know, the repertoire I chose, but also just within a couple months, I remember I was talking to some of the flute players in symphony band in my section. I said, God, you all sound, you your low registers are like really good. And one of them turned to me and, and just said, give it like another month. You'll be fine. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, she'll, she'll fix it. I don't know how she'll fix it. And we, and like within a couple months, I was like, oh, hell yeah. And it did make, and you know, like things that I really did need fixing in my playing and supporting my playing, you took care of completely. And, you know, that's why I feel so confident that like, yeah, I can do all this creative stuff. And, like, I can bang out these excerpts and sound really good. And I can, like, I've got all this stuff. And so I find I have this, like, excellent foundation and the uh, nourishment of my creative spirit. So it's really that that balance between the two that has been, makes it worth it, really. Go blue. Yeah, for real. What uh, what are some differences in how you approach teaching incoming freshmen, freshmen and sophomores, versus how you approach your lessons with your masters and doctoral students? And what does that feel like for you? How do you navigate the difference between those developmental periods and some? Freshmen are wonderful uh, because they they come in and they play in studio class and everybody's clapping and they're smiling and then kind of as time goes on, my my poor master students are just getting up in class and playing and 
and defeated and feeling all like, I've had so much criticism over the last four years, everything's really awful or whatever. Whereas the freshmen are, are, are just, you know, they have no, no fear. And for that fear, they are the most fearless. Amazing. And my favorite is when they have a good basis of attitudes. My doctoral students are such artists coming in the door that I can just sit back and drink a, a, a big cup of coffee without saying a word. Mm-hmm. And it is my pleasure to listen to this person and to offer my, my thoughts. Now, here we go. I look at the student, and in fact, I have done it, straight into the student's eyes and smiled and said, that is so beautiful. And I bet you had no idea what you're doing. You just played, right? And you could see kind of the the blood drain and the smiles going away. And, and I say, I'm not, that's not a slam. Like I just, do you know why you went to that certain note? And did you know, did you want to go to that certain note? And, and it gets back to, do you know the first name of the composer? It's, it's seven levels deep. That's a beautiful doctoral student when they're completely open. They're so open that they're going, Oh my gosh, this is intense. There's, it's all coming in. I've heard of uh, students at, you know, certain schools who feel like they have to take beta blockers just to go into their left. Oh no, this is the safe room, the safe house. Yeah, It's where you want to go to be like, this is what I need to work on today. Somewhere where you can go and ask your questions that you can't you know, it's an, ex- it's like a lab. It's a little experimental lab of how to, how to get you where you need to be. Um, I also just talking about this. I remembered another thing you said to me during our first lesson ever, where you said, you know, cause I kept stopping and um, talking and you were like, shut up, stop talking, like keep playing, stop stopping. And I was like, okay. And you, you mentioned how by the time you're getting to the point where you're receiving a master's degree or looking at it, you've become so critical of yourself because, yes, you've gone through four years already of being picked apart and built back together by a teacher. And you kept saying, stop it. You know, my freshman they come in and they're just these, they have no idea what's going on. They just are playing. And my master's students are always like, oh, God, I sound, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And you mentioned to me that with these, with your freshmen and your undergrads, you're, you're building them up a little bit. And you said, you said, I'm harsh, but I'm fair. Or you said, I'm hard, but I'm fair. And you said, with the master's students, Sometimes I have to knock you guys down a little bit because you have, you've had four years of this completely other experience of building you up as a flute player. And you were able to, you take us and bring it, bring it back down to earth a little bit. I thought that was a really uh, like smart way of looking at it because it's true. Like we all kind of come in really with this protective armor of ego around us and you break it down and build back what needs to be built back. Just a good way of thinking about the difference between an incoming freshman and 18 year old who just went to prom like four months ago versus a 21 year old who's just like freaking out all the time.
I think it takes a little bit of confidence to stand up and do what we do. A hundred percent. Not be where we are without a little bit of ego and then a little bit of squashed ego. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've noticed more and more, maybe just at Michigan with the like prevalence of the con- uh, contemplative practice courses and the meditation courses that happen here um, in the performing arts school specifically is this: there's always a conversation to be had about ego and where it's places and how it can serve us and how it can serve other people. And then also the ways that it completely can ruin everything in a performance, you know, performance anxiety is this big ego coming in and being like, if you mess this up, you're a bad musician. Everyone's looking at you. Everyone's going to notice. How do you take that ego and like, what do you, what do you do with all that? Cause we all have it. It's our, it's our natural instinct to be concerned and protect ourselves from being cast away from the, the herd. You know, we all just want to like have our spot and have it be safe and secure, but our egos are there to be like, don't, don't let it, don't get kicked out. You know, don't let anyone see that you might be less than or if you mess this up what does it mean about you and like I think we've had some discussions and we've had some discussions in studio class about how you do need to have the supportive ego that is you know that circle of excellence around you that is impenetrable and serves you and then how do you take all of that and give to an audience and give something back to the creative world? How do you manage the ego in a healthy way? You're, you're doing a commercial for the chapter in on a anatomy of sound movie. So yeah, I give the definition okay. dictionaries, four different d- definitions of ego. And that's one of my most powerful chapters of the movie. Um, so it's, you know, the answer, checking the, the one kind of ego at the door when you walk into a yoga class is what you have to do. Checking yeah. ego, the ego that we're talking about at the door for chamber music is also one you have to you know, check. It's almost like you put it in a suitcase, mm-hmm. um, all the judgy judgy or whatever that is. But you're right. It's coming up against a wall. Like I said in the past episodes about if you're going to keep hitting a brick wall, it doesn't feel very good after a while. <laughs> so you might want to, oh. You might want to climb out or climb up or find someone to help you soothe this acceptance that there are more ways to, to handle life and they are graceful and they are, I, I love to tell these 19 and 20 year olds that because at 23, I was told that. So what I thought was a good stretch class turned into a, a thoughtful way of existing in the world, walking through, journeying through, just letting other people, you don't, you don't have to bounce into them and clash with them and have drama. You just have to just exist with people. Um, that's the way I think our studio is, a vi- the vibe is. Um, and I think that my students are, they know themselves as a studio better than I do. And I think, let's touch on that one that last as a last point, I make sure that you all know that I, I have 15 students at any given time. I have 15 individual relationships. I don't have one relationship with 15 people. Right. 
that's true. And that's, um, I mean, you, you couldn't, otherwise the studio wouldn't be as successful and well nourished as it is because we're all incredibly different people. At least in my two years, I've seen so many different people get up in studio class and completely kill it, you know, and they all have their own little personalities. And it's just, it is, it's this, uh, real motley crew of very different people. So you are the, this central piece that has to know each one and what their needs are as students and as individuals and artists. Can I say a quick thank you to you? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to thank you for letting me help you with this project. This is so fun for me and letting me come on today to talk about my experience here at Michigan, um, especially considering that I didn't have like a proper celebration of my graduation. It's been such an amazing two years. I've made lifelong friends and people always say that, but like, I mean it. And you really gave me a major life-changing opportunity. Um, and I just am eternally grateful and will never forget all the things you've taught me and the spirit that you led me with has just been so much more influential than I could have imagined. And I'm just incredibly grateful for being able to have spent these two years with you. And I love you. I love you too. That's been the foundation from day one. I know. (laughs) And it works. That's the thing. That's what works. We're two people that respect each other and I can learn so much from, and I've learned so much from you and you've just been my cheerleader the whole time and called me out when I was wrong. And, you know, it's just been really, really amazing. Can I say thanks, babe? Thanks, babe. so yeah thanks for letting me pick your brain a little bit this is really fun thanks for being my producer and being there when i said do i sound funny (laughs) okay cool i look forward to every week i know stay tuned thank you to all the listeners yay yay